This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Brian Humphreys, CEO of the National Pork Producers Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NPPC's Brian Humphreys next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 480 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The nation's pork producers are resilient, emerging from treacherous losses during the COVID pandemic with renewed interest in growing market share and building closer ties with consumers. NPPC CEO Brian Humphrey says producer surveys as a part of their strategic plan revealed a goal toward collaboration and a united agriculture. Well, the one thing the U.S. pork industry wants to see more than anything is collaboration and everybody across agriculture working together. It's a recognition that while we have folks who raise pigs, they also uh, raise crops, some of them. Some of them have some cows or maybe some chickens as well. But the reality is agriculture sees us as all together and that they want us to see us working together as collaboratively and as unified as possible. We recognize that we're not going to agree with everyone all the time, but what the pork producers told us in the strategic plan is they want us to be effective and efficient with their producer dollars, that they're investing not only in MPPC but across the rest of the trade associations and agriculture, and they want to see us working collaboratively and, when possible, hand-in-hand as we move forward. With that comes a number of things. It's not just on the the policy side, but it's on the communication side to make sure that we're out there telling the story of agriculture uh, and not just the pork producers, but telling the story of agriculture and what we can do to feed not only the country with a low-cost, high-quality product, but also across the world. And so as you break down what the pork producers are looking for, not only our strategic plan, but in conversations, they're looking for, again, that collaboration across all of agriculture and that strong sense of communication that we're out telling the story not only the U.S. pork producer, but of all of agriculture. And that's not without its challenges. As I said, sometimes we disagree, but the goal here is to, to, to disagree, to find common ground, and to move forward as quickly as possible. And that's what we're going to continue to do at MPPC. Well, as CEO, uh, you work at the will uh, of your membership. But I should ask, what are your personal objectives in this position as your tenure begins now as CEO? Yeah, uh, and I'm very fortunate that the the board in the industry has been uh, kind of not only to hire me, but uh, show real support for where I see us going as an organization. As I break it down, it's it's a few things. One, we're going to continue, as I said, to work collaboratively across all of agriculture. And my visits to D.C. this week made sure we had an opportunity to meet with some of our partners in other ag trade associations while we're here in D.C. and make sure we're continuing to build and strengthen those relationships uh, from here on out. Uh, the other component of it is to make sure that we've got a strong voice in telling not only the story of agriculture here in D.C., but around the country. I've been very adamant that we as an industry, not only in the pork industry, but all of agriculture, need to continue to be vocal and need to continue to be active in these states where maybe agriculture isn't one of the bigger industries. Maybe they don't have as loud a voice 
uh, as they do in states like Iowa or Minnesota or Illinois and Indiana, et cetera. Uh, but we still have to be there, and we have to be present. We have to help those consumers understand the care that we give to our animals, the care that we give to the environment around us and the communities and the people that we support. We've got to be vocal in those areas, not just in telling our story to the consumers, but then also to those public policy officials as they work to help better understand what their constituents are looking for and how agriculture and specifically the U.S. pork industry can help with that. And as we look around the country, there's some real opportunities to do that uh, as we help educate not only elected officials but consumers on what it means to raise pigs here in the United States, uh, but what it also means to be involved in agriculture and care for the community and the environment around you. And so as we move forward, again, it's about being engaged here in Washington, D.C. with our, our brethren in agriculture. It's about getting more engaged in the states. And then third and, and, and definitely not least is a recognition of the corporate policies that are being made out there. Uh, as it relates to, to ESG or to animal welfare or to other things. And, again, it's about getting in front and telling our story as the pork industry about what it means to raise pigs and helping those folks that are making decisions for their customer base and the retailer food service side uh, to help them better understand how it is we already care for our pigs and where there's opportunity for collaboration and growth and constant improvement, uh, but also where those challenges may lay if they push too far. And so, uh, again, it's about being uh, good partners here in D.C. and continuing to educate and work with our, our friends and allies here it's about working in the states, and then it's about making sure that uh, retail and food service understand uh, where the opportunity is to partner and, and better the industry, but also uh, better their customer base. Brian, it's my observation that the consumer and your global customers may be moving the goalpost not enough to provide a high-quality, high-value, uh, and affordable product. Now consumers want to have a hand in how you raise the animal and how that product finds its way to their plate at home. How does this objective uh, change your outlook? How does it change your mode of action? We've seen more and more of this as the consumer starts to question where their food comes from. And the one thing that we all have in common is that we all eat. And so we all thereby have questions of where we're putting in our body and where our food comes from and what is the impact that that food is having. And so it's natural to have those questions. Uh, our job here is to make sure that they're getting the best information possible and working with the information that's available out there. But as we see our detractors or advocacy groups out there that may be uh, maybe misinformed or, or maybe uh, maybe spreading misinformation, uh, we have to recognize that there's occasionally going to be a need to really stand strong. And I'll use our, our case on Proposition 12 as a prime example. Uh, well, the, our detractors of the industry went ahead and, and, and pushed through on that legislation uh, there's significant challenges that come with that. And obviously those concerns are significant enough that the United States Supreme Court has chosen to hear a case about Proposition 12 as it relates to the interstate and dormant uh, dormer, dormer commerce clauses. Uh, and those are, those are impactful things, not only for the U.S. pork industry, but candidly for all of agriculture in the U.S. economy. And I think that's a prime example of how MPPC is going to continue to push back on these things. And as we look around the world, you know, the United States uh, pork industry is incredibly blessed with being able to raise a high-quality protein at an affordable price that, that compares worldwide. And as we look at our export markets last year, we exported $8.1 billion worth of pork products to over 100 different countries. And with that, you know, comes the, comes the awesome power of being able to ship globally and help feed a world. And we take that very seriously. But it never means we're going to forget about our folks here domestically uh, and, and make sure that they have access to a high-quality, affordable product, uh, even when that means raising challenges all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court.
when Vermont and some other states were considering a GMO labeling law, ultimately Congress stepped in and thwarted that path. Now that a ballot initiative has become the law of the land in California, it's about to stretch to pork producers across the country. It is a case that the Supreme Court is going to hear that challenge brought by the NPPC and by the American Farm Bureau Federation. What's your message to the Supreme Court, and what concern is it that initiatives like this now have made it all the way to the highest court in the land? First, my 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 appreciation and thanks to the, the justices and the clerks of the U.S. Supreme Court who understand that this is far beyond just the pork industry, and it's far beyond uh, Proposition 12 in California, that this is really a recognition that one state does not have the ability to demand production practices for the pork industry or for other groups in another state, and that their jurisdiction to, does not reach that far. And so thank you to the U.S. Supreme Court for recognizing the need to hear the case uh, and to, to, to rule upon that. As we look forward, we, we hope that a, a strong ruling here will lead to, to opportunity down the road to continue to educate consumers on how we raise our pigs uh, without onerous uh, ballot initiatives like this continuing to come up. I think that's going to be very important for us. But really, it's a thanks to the Supreme Court, and now we look forward to having our day in court on behalf of the U.S. pork producers. And again, thanks to our friends, as you said, at the American Farm Bureau Federation for being partners on this as we've worked this through. Again, they recognize it's not just about the pig industry. It's about all of agriculture. As we go to defend the COVID pandemic uh, pretty well limited face-to-face lobbying uh, efforts on Capitol Hill. And you had a fly-in uh, this past week. I understand about 100 producers were there. It's a very tense political climate these days. How were you received by staff and by legislators with your priority issues? Our folks that came in uh, from around the country, from uh, pork producers from around the country that came in, uh, you know, had had have strong relationships with our elected officials, and uh, our folks are willing to get out and tell their story and make sure that they're engaged in in the process here and talking to our folks in Washington D.C., not only members of Congress but obviously staff members. And most of those meetings were incredibly receptive. And we have to recognize, of course, that we're not going to agree on everything. And that's okay. That's the beauty of the American process is that we can have the conversation, we can make our voices heard, uh, and then we can sit down at the table and have a pork chop and, and, and still move forward. The issues, though, that we're facing, I think most folks in America can get behind it, recognize, and first and foremost, that's the threat of African swine fever. This disease is, is in the Western Hemisphere for the first time in 40 years, uh, and it presents a real threat to the U.S. pork producers and, candidly, the U.S. economy as we look at this threat. And so we've asked Congress uh, and our members of Congress this, this week to get out and uh, add some additional funding uh, to the NOMS lab and to APHIS Veterinary Services to ensure that we are as prepared as possible financially and structurally for uh, to, to not only prevent but to be prepared for a foreign animal disease like African swine fever. The other one, which all of America is struggling with, is labor. We're shorthanded on our farms, but also in our processing facilities around the country. And that candidly leads to some real challenges for us to be able to provide a a low-cost, high-quality product to the American consumer. As everybody is dealing with supply chain issues and labor issues, the U.S. pork industry is not exempt from that. Uh, If anything, given given the way our farms operate with live animals and the 
the drastic need to have folks there to care for those animals in the, 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 the best way possible, we have to have folks on the farm. And so we're not able to just shut down a store for a little bit or shut down a line somewhere for a little bit. We have to have folks on the farm. And at times this becomes very dire for our folks to be able to, to, to provide that high-quality product to the American consumer. And then, of course, is, is trade. Uh, trade to our industry is incredibly important. As I, I mentioned a minute ago, we export $8.1 billion to over, uh, product to over 100 countries. Uh, roughly 29% of our, 29.4% of our total product, uh, went overseas. And that's a fantastic opportunity. But we have to continue to build upon the successes that we saw in 2021 and 20, the early parts of 2022 in the trade arena as we work to, to build out the Indo-Pacific, uh, the, excuse me, get back into the CPTPP as well as work uh, on on getting in uh, to the Indo-Pacific framework and making sure that we're a part of that. You know, this CPTPP is 11 countries, uh, and it is roughly $13.5 billion of GDP and 500 million consumers. Uh, there's real opportunity there, not only for the U.S. pork industry, but again for all of agriculture, uh, if we could get the Biden administration to, to get engaged there and participate there again. And as they continue to work, as this administration continues to work on the Indo-Pacific economic framework, 15 countries, 1.5 billion people are are in that area. And we want to make sure that we have a seat at the table and we're continually being engaged to ensure that we have access for a high-quality product such as pork in those markets. Well, Brian, the Congress just finished the omnibus spending package to carry us the rest of the way through FY22. And if animal health and protecting the herd is the top issue, is there enough funds available now for the balance of this fiscal year that you feel like we've got the right workforce and the right uh, tools in the right place to protect us? Are you asking for additional funds prior to that, or are you saving the fight for the 23 Farm Bill to try to boost spending in this particular area for protection? Congress was uh, was incredibly receptive, and it, it shows how much they understand uh, the threat of African swine fever. As they can, as they added in this appropriations bill for 2022, uh, funding for CBP to to make sure we're protected at the borders, additional funds for USDA. Uh, for labs and staff to make sure that we continue to be protected, uh, we, we continue to protect our borders. Congress gets the threat of ASF. There's no doubt about that. The the one thing we've got to continue to push on is the need for additional staff uh, at USDA's APHIS through veterinary services. We need additional field staff there to respond and address an outbreak on the if there was ever an outbreak on mainland USA or uh, United States or territories. We need to continue to further build out the infrastructure and workforce capabilities of the National Animal Health uh, Laboratory Network or the NALMS Labs. Those are the ones that conduct surveillance work of and testing for foreign animal disease. And then, of course, we need to continue to build capacity at ports of entry to prevent unauthorized meat and animal byproducts from coming into the United States. And so there's several parts of that. Obviously, it's additional funding, but it's also ensuring that we've got sponsors and co-sponsors on the Beagle Brigade Bill that's coming up, uh, and we're hoping to see introduced shortly here in the House as we move forward on that to ensure that we've got folks that are willing to put their name on that from Congress uh, and ensure that gets through. Because, again, that's part of the front line of keeping that disease out is having those those animals at the ports of entry to ensure that we're, we're getting those things out. So to answer your question, uh, we were tremendous reception from, from Congress and the administration and getting, getting funds included in the appropriations bill, but there continues to be a tremendous amount of work that needs to be done and this additional funding uh, as well as services from USDA and CBP are going to continue to be important as we protect our herd from African swine fever. 
So then another step, USDA is reporting beef exports are red hot, but pork exports might have trended lower. February, 17% down on volume, 14% down on value. Are these just cyclical numbers, or is this a sign of the times of why trade and trade negotiations are so important? Trade negotiations are always incredibly important. And again, as I mentioned, the access to CPTPP is, could be huge for, for our, for, for our industry as well as all of agriculture. As I, as I mentioned, 11 countries, 550 million countries in that, 500, 500 million consumers in that could be tremendous. It could be, a, it could be the, 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 the deal for the next generation of pork producers uh, coming up in this business. If we could get, if we could get the Biden administration to get back into CPTPP, uh, and the value of that to our industry would be astronomical. And, and not only for our industry, but for all of rural America as we work to raise those pigs. The, the short-term trends, though, of, of exports uh, are going to ebb and flow. We recognize that. But we have to recognize, too, that, in, again, in 2021, we exported $8.1 billion of, of pork products uh, around the world to 100 different countries. Uh, and those things don't just go away. And as we look back over 2021, the access to India, the access to Nigeria for sausage and, and, other, and other products uh, have been tremendous. Uh, the quotas dropped off in Vietnam to offset the EU and CPTTP customers uh, have been phenomenal for us. And those are things that will continue to build. And those aren't things that happen overnight. Uh, and that's why we have to have these positions filled and need to continue to be engaged in talking about exports as the U.S. pork industry and all of agriculture. These things don't happen overnight. They take years to negotiate, and we need to start and continue the process now and well into the future. Brian, concentrating on labor, what do you see might be the next vehicle that could move the needle here and any hope in this Congress before the midterm or a hope after the midterm? Always hope. We get the question a lot about what is the next vehicle. And given the struggles that our industry is facing in, in the labor shortage that we have uh, and the, the the real challenge that presents to, to our farmers and to our, our local communities there, uh, we don't really care what the vehicle is. Uh, we just need Congress to act and ensure that we have access to a stable workforce uh, that is year-round, uh, and we have that ability to get those folks in. And again, this is something we have to remember. These are jobs that are, are remaining unfilled. So we cannot find folks to come to these jobs, and we need a stable workforce that will not only add to the to, to, the, to the, the workload and take away from the workload on our farms now, but will add back into our rural communities here as we bring those folks in, uh, give them great jobs with benefits, and, and really help to take care of these folks uh, and give them an opportunity to succeed. We need uh, access to a high quality, to, to, a, to a labor force here, again, that is year-round, uh, and that uh, have access to those folks, uh, not just, again, at our farms, but at our packing plants and everywhere else as well. Brian, the Securities and Exchange Commission voted recently to propose regulations that would mandate that publicly traded companies report carbon emissions. Could that have an impact in the swine industry? Yes, it could. Uh, and as we look through those, there's some real challenges there that I we're going to have to submit some comments on and, and work with others around. Uh, real challenges there with uh, as we read through each of those components. Um, 
again, with the recognition of how we're going to track these things to the supply chain, what does that look like? What are those What are those reporting mechanisms look like? That's a real That's a, a real challenge for our industry. That again has continued to strive to be good stewards in the environment, continues to go above and beyond. Uh, on, on our environmental record, again, as we live and work in these communities. But these SEC proposals present some real challenges for us. So consumers are changing. Uh, I'm a baby boomer, but there are millennials and there are Generation X, and, and I forget all the letters of the alphabet that are coming, but they don't <laughs> shop the way that our grandparents did. Um, how does this forge you to partnerships, or how does this forge you to be closer in touch with the consumer to continue to keep pork on the plate uh, and in a mindset of those who are shopping. And this is where I, I look to our brethren over at the National Pork Board on the checkout side. Uh, those fine folks over there have done a tremendous job at better understanding the American consumer and the changing way that they shop and what they're looking for and helping to position, uh, helping to position our product in the way that resonates. Because, again, what folks are really looking for is a safe, affordable product that they can feed to their families and feel good about it. Uh, and a recognition of that and just the, candidly what they're doing is changing how they shop and what they're looking for and, 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 and how, they're, how they're choosing their meals for their family. Uh, and Pork Board's done a phenomenal job of understanding that uh, and helping to really dive into that for our retailers and our, our, our processors out there that are targeting that those folks. But on our side, on the lobbying side, uh, it goes back to making sure they have freedom of choice and that we're not putting owners' burdens on the U.S. pork producer that are inevitably going to raise costs. And at the end of the day, the vast majority of Americans still want a high-quality, affordable product. And in order to be able to do that, we have to have the freedom to operate in order to be able to provide that to them at the lowest possible, at the lowest possible cost. Little doubt that sustainability will be a part of debate on the 2023 Farm Bill. Does the MPPC <laughs> have a sustainability story that you want to tell? The U.S. pork industry has a phenomenal environmental story to tell and, and environmental community the things that we do on our farms in our community uh is it should be inspiring to other industries out there yes we have a sustainability report it's a it's available at uh, pork.org uh, it's available on wecare.org encourage folks to check that out uh, but this is a story of the american pork producer and how over years we have come to the front lines of environmental uh, concerns and we have we have risen above it and we have really stepped out in front uh, and I would inspect, uh, suspect that other industries out there would look to the U.S. pork industry on how to be leaders on environmental sustain environmental and sustainability issues uh, and encourage everyone to take a look at those sustainability plans and what we have accomplished and where we are going as an industry. Brian, it won't be long that lots of folks will be showing up in Des Moines for World Pork Expo. How are preparations for this year's event and any previews you'd like to offer? World Pork Expo is right around the corner here the first full week of, uh, of June. And the MPPC is uh, is going to be rolling out some new things uh, as we gear up. And I'll, I'll leave it open-ended like that. I hope folks uh, show up to World Pork Expo to check that out. Uh, but preparations are coming on incredibly well. Trade shows coming along, registrations are coming in. Uh, we're, we're happy to, to be back in person for the second year in a row since the pandemic uh, and looking forward to a great crowd uh, and really showcasing the best of the best in the U.S. pork industry. Uh, and as MPPC continues to grow and develop to meet the challenges of a changing world, uh, and we are laying the groundwork for today for the challenges of tomorrow, 
Really looking forward to rolling out some new and innovative things there on behalf of the industry as we work to move forward. Well, Brian Humphreys, we want to thank you very much for taking time at a busy schedule on the end of the fly-in to talk with us here on AgriPulse Open Mic. Brian, it is Open Mic, and today you have the last word. Appreciate the opportunity to be here and glad to have the opportunity to work for the American Pork Producers as we work to continue to build out MPPC uh, over the next uh, several months and several years here as we work to become more collaborative with our brethren in agriculture, get more active in the states and with corporations and telling the story of the American pork producers. But first and foremost, I look forward to seeing every American pork producer and those who are interested in the U.S. pork producer in the U.S. pork industry at World Pork Expo in Des Moines, June 9th through the 11th, where we're going to roll out some new and innovative things. Looking forward to seeing folks. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Our thanks to Brian Humphreys, CEO of the National Pork Producers Council, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.